2: Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
3: Another episode of Tapehead set to kick off here. Bob Weschusen, longtime radio voice of the Jets, Stan Orlovsky. He, of course, you see him all the time on NFL Live on ESPN. My college football partner on ESPN as well. And Scott Pioli, longtime general manager in the National Football League. And guys, let's get right to it. Ravens-Browns. I thought this was, you know a game that probably gives us about five things to talk about with each team. But, of course, it always seems to be Lamar Jackson that's at the top of the conversation with the media and with everybody. And here's what the head coach, John Harbaugh, had to say about his performance gutting out a win.
4: Right, that's what I was trying to say to start with. I mean, it's just a really challenging circumstance, you know, and nobody gets flustered. You know, it starts with Lamar. I mean, Lamar is a guy that, you know, he makes so many plays for us. And, he's he, and you know, of course, the quarterback, you know, the interceptions, one of them his tip, whatever, but, you know, he wants those plays back. He's mad about him. He's, ma- he's a massive competitor, yet he doesn't let it take control of him, all right? He's able to push it aside, and he's able to go play the next series and give, you, and give you great football. You know, I just it's really
0: a rare trait, you know, and to me that's one of the things that makes him the quarterback that he is. That's why I'm so excited that he's on our
3: team, one of the reasons. And John Harbaugh's right. He is a massive competitor. There are times where he kind of puts the video game stuff in his hip pocket and really becomes a quarterback. I don't know if when he gets to the elite competition of the playoffs, if that is going to be something we will see over and over again. That always seems to be what we're doubting in the postseason about Lamar Jackson. Can he, if he has to just beat you as a pure quarterback, can he do it, and can they win a Super Bowl with him playing that way, if that's the way they have to play? So let's talk about his performance before we get to Baker Mayfield. The guy that won it, found a way to win it. They've been a low-scoring team these past few weeks, but they found a way to win a division game, and Lamar Jackson, Dan, made the plays down the stretch he had to make.
4: Yeah, I I think what we're we are watching happen with the Ravens is the saying that I learned young in my career winning doesn't cure everything it covers everything and the Ravens have they're 8 and 3 and I have absolutely no idea how outside of the quarterback's <laughs> just been remarkable and it's covered up a lot of the reality for this football team this year is they are absolutely devastated with injuries mm-hmm. on both sides of the football And Lamar and his kind of heroics and some of the Justin Tucker heroics have covered up a lot of the issues. And, you know, this team has four or five wins on the last play of the game. And that's because of the kind of the performance of those two players. I'm not like looking or reading too much into the game by Lamar, you know, having not practiced much over the last three weeks, having not played over the last three weeks. He came out and was poor. He did not see defenders multiple times in the pass game, and that's just not like him. That's not who he is. That's certainly not who he's been this year. I thought there was a very poor rhythm within their offense, but their offensive line is beat up. Their tailbacks don't make plays. I do like some of the stuff they're doing with their receivers and tight ends, but the play to Mark Andrews or the the two plays to Mark Andrews really – in the second half are kind of indicative of kind of what their season has been and what they're probably going to be is, you know, can we make some of the jaw dropping you're not supposed to do and, or make those plays to win football games, you know, and and the heave to Mark where he points and goes, I'm just going to give you a, a chance here. And then the touchdown pass are, you know, very much so what they've been and, Um, I want to see Lamar next weekend to sit here and go, uh Oh, you know, is there something going on here? Because when he's gone the extended period of time, like he's gone without playing, it's going to, it's going to impact your ability to go perform. Um, that's who Lamar is. He is very much so a uh, playmaker rather than a, um, play operator. I always say this, you're either a thinker or a reactor at the position. He's a reactor. And uh, I'm going to give him another week before sitting here and thinking, all right, maybe something's up with Lamar's play.
1: Dan, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, um, first of all, I want to say I love your point about, you know, when sometimes cover up mistakes. And it was part of the, people used to joke about the misery uh, with the New England Patriots uh, in, in the years working with Bill and or the other Bill uh, Parcells and how the amount of unhappiness that was around at times, even when we won games. Because when you're winning games and you're not doing things right, you're setting yourself up for future failure. Correct. And what they have is they've been covering up for not not only a couple of mistakes, but as you point out, the injuries. And, you know, a couple weeks ago we were talking about some of the things in Kansas City and the issues that we were seeing at quarterback and what wasn't right and Patrick Mahomes and some of the mistakes because we lost things fundamentally. They weren't playing sound, fundamental football. They're starting to get that back on track. Part of what happens here is Lamar Jackson is so good, he's been so good, it's different, but it's similar. Where he's trying to make up and cover up for so many issues that exist on the football team, you know, he did something this week that just it blew my mind. I mean, all four interceptions that he threw this past weekend were plays where he was not under pressure, and yeah, he, you know that that that's just not normally what he does. I mean, when quarterbacks are under pressure, they make mistakes. I mean, it's very human. This was not normal for him. And then all four of those interceptions were also with Mark Andrews as the targeted receiver, you know, and him working out of the slot. And to me, it it, it just, it shows this bigger picture problem that to me it wasn't as much. I understand that Lamar Jackson was the focal point, but it's a bigger team issue that he looked poor because he was trying to do so much and do yeah. too much. And I, I think we'll see him bounce back. Um, the, the, the running back issues, the the injuries throughout the team is where the biggest problem is. Yeah. And and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's still a terrific quarterback. Someone just got to dial him back and say, don't try to do too much because if you just do enough, then winning these games <laughs> will be easier. Flip it over to the Browns for a moment. We've talked
3: a oh. lot about Baker Mayfield. And look, I I know that there have been times this season where he's played poorly, and folks have said, you know, he's playing hurt. This was one of the first times where I watched him. To me, especially as that game wore on and he was getting hit, he looked wounded to me in the fourth quarter. Like he looked like he just could not throw the ball the way that he needs to be able to throw the ball. I mean, is it is it that simple with this offense? Now they've moved Odell Beckham out. Dan, you talked about the fact that is something schematically that might help them because now rather than Baker Mayfield looking for specific guys, he's just running plays and they, they had a great win the first week that Odell Beckham was, you know, in a different zip code, but I don't know. Can they win if Baker Mayfield has to go through the rest of this season, just physically where he's at right now?
4: It's going to be challenging. I think he's so beat up and I appreciate his toughness. I truly do. I, I, I admire it. I think the Browns are a mess offensively a mess and the mess is significantly greater than just baker mayfield baker's not playing great again context of this conversation has to matter he is absolutely beat up but i'd also say this jedrick wills did not play well the other night he got beat up by baltimore's defensive line Jack Conklin going out and now out for the rest of the season is a huge issue because Conklin is fantastic, and whoever has played in his place this year at right tackle has not performed well. Um, I think there's this reality too as well. They're not getting open on offense right now. You go, listen, I, everyone wants to say, and it's funny. I was having a text conversation with someone this morning and, and it was, well, this team won quarterback must've played great. This team lost quarterback must've stunk, you know, and it's, we, we still are somewhat in that football world. And it's, it's really like a kind of a mission of mine to really try to get people to see it differently. They're not getting open at all. And that's gotta be a little bit of a concern for Kevin Stefanski and this offense as well is when, when they're, when they're calling plays, you know, their guys aren't separating much. And I, I feel like Kevin Stefanski is searching right now for answers. I mean, if you imagine this as a play caller, right? I don't have a guy right now that's winning. Donovan Peoples-Jones played, and he was beat up. Jarvis Landry is not separating. Our tight ends aren't winning, and when they do, they drop the football. So as a play caller, you're going, okay, you know, Who? Who's right. (laughs) Who's who, who who am I getting the ball to? Nah, my offensive line is, is beat up at the right tackle spot. So I got to pay attention to helping that my left tackle is getting beat. And then my quarterback's decimated with injuries. So as a play call, you're sitting there going, all right. Like, and I think that's where Kevin Stefanski is right now is uh, who can I rely on? And then what can I rely on? And offensively, I expected them to be so much better this year and right now because for a multitude of reasons, uh, they're playing poorly and and I just think they're a mess.
1: Yeah, Dan, I um, so I think it's important when we talk about this team and this quarterback in particular that we separate a couple of things, right? Baker Mayfield, to me, um, I do not question his toughness at all. He does look wounded. He is toughing through this. I have... All the respect in the world for his physical and mental toughness. But sometimes that physical and mental toughness is both a blessing and a curse. But this is when you're seeing this. And Bob, exactly what you saw, where, you know, the way he looked at the end of that game, there needs to be an adult in the room to take the quarterback out of the game and make a decision because when a player has an issue like that and they're performing at such a level that it's not helping the team, it's hurting the team, that the backup quarterback, if you have the right packages because you were prepared properly, that you can go out there and do some other things to give you a chance to win, that may be a better option. The other thing is when you put Baker out there and he is in in the shape that he's in, there's an opportunity where where he can get hurt even more. And yeah. to me, that becomes – it's starting to border, again, on a little – it's starting to border on negligence. I know Baker is one of those players, and Dan, we've all been around him, right, that no matter how – I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going, yeah. right? We've yeah. all seen those guys. We've probably both done it. It you know, but to me, this is why part of why Baker is also such a polarizing figure, right? You have to separate these things. This isn't about his toughness. This isn't about who, you know, that part of his makeup. The fact is though, if you go back even before the injuries, guys, he wasn't playing that well. I mean, he really wasn't. He was playing average football, and he had the best running game in the National Football League. He has one of the best run coordinators in the National Football League in Bill Callahan, and the offensive line was playing well. And Nick Chubb was playing well. Kareem Hunt was playing well. They had it going on. So some of it, as we talk about, there were a few cosmetics on what Baker's play really was. So you have to separate these things when you're talking about your quarterback. The, The toughness, the injury, that's one thing. Take that out. He was playing above-average football prior to the injury. The injury has him now playing worse. Somebody has to stand up and make a decision, be the adult in the room, and make make a change because it's not going to be good for anybody. And, you know, the the other thing that trickled out yesterday is, you know, we we now had a couple weeks ago we had OBJ's dad out there. Now we have Kareem Hunt's dad came out with some comments this week some of those things are showing me some potential symptoms that there is unrest within this locker room that's being covered up well and or is it but it's now starting to bubble to the surface so there's there's the issues that we see on the field the issues that we see on tape there seems to be some other issues there as well dan and Bob. I agree. And,
3: and, you know, and unless I'm mistaken, they're getting Kareem Hunt back. So maybe the Hunt-Chubb combination will be there for them down the stretch. And maybe that'll be something that Baker Mayfield can lean on. But you're right. I mean, he looks like he is just being held together right now by chewing gum and scotch tape. And, um, you know, you don't know if you can win with a quarterback with that type of, you know, physical limitations. Now, in his division, there is a team that has reinvented themselves since the bye week. The first real step for a Bengals identity changed Couple of weeks ago, what is next for Cincinnati? We're going to talk about that. When we come back on tapeheads. You go into
0: your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, thirty-seven minutes later, because you pay the water bill, so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall.
5: And I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter, let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
0: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college don't need it.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like
3: Bengals over the Steelers. That was a big one this past week. We'll talk about that now on Tape Heads. Bob and Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. Zach Taylor fired up after a win over the Steelers, and he had a right to be.
4: Our, our goals go through this division. You know, we got to we got to be better than we ever have been in this division. If you want to go the playoffs and be ready for all the things that that brings. And so... Um, really, just the way I look at it right now, to be three and one, that's the position we wanted to be in. It's, it's not about dominating anybody. It's just, it's just we, we got to win all these divisional games um, to create that separation that we know we're going to need. And so, um, certainly, it feels pretty dang good to
3: go to go two and zero against the team of the division. Well, it is indeed wins twice this year for the Bengals over the Pittsburgh Steelers. But guys, look, I just look at circumstantial evidence when I watch this team play. I have to think when they hit their bye week. There was a come to Jesus meeting somewhere in the Bengals building, right? Like somebody said, we've got Jamar Chase putting up historic numbers. We've got a a second year quarterback in Joe Burrow that can sling the deep ball as well as anyone out there in the NFL. And we just lost to the Jets. We've lost three out of four games or whatever it was. We need to find a different way to do this. And what have they done? The last two games, back to back wins. Look at the statistical numbers. Joe Burrow's not even throwing the ball 30 times a game. Joe Mixon, all of a sudden, is starting to look like Derrick Henry. Jamar Chase, back-to-back games, three catches for 30-something yards in each game, and both Bengals wins. So what do we think, Dan, has changed just philosophically with how the Bengals are approaching their offensive game plan and the talent that they've got, not that they can't get the ball to Jamar Chase at some point sure. again with the deep ball, but it seems like they had a, you know, had had a, a come to Jesus where they decided guys, we mm. need to do this differently.
4: Yeah. I would say number one, T Higgins and getting him healthy is a big deal. You know, he missed some time with, with health in the middle of the season. We all fell in love with Jamar's performance. I think T Higgins has become, do you guys remember Moosin Muhammad years ago? Heck yeah. Um, yeah, he's become Moose Muhammad to me. Like, he is a big-bodied, like, very strong-handed wide receiver. And, you know, the go touchdown that Joe Burrow throws him is a completely disrespectful throw to as a quarterback. <laughs> the corner's five yards deeper than T. Higgins. Downfield and Joe still threw it, and he just trusted his size and his hands in that moment. So I think T. Higgins getting healthy has reminded us this offense has pieces outside of Jamar Chase. I'd say this Tyler Boyd is the Cincinnati's Bengals version of Heinz Ward. Tyler Boyd does the dirty work for this offense. If you want a receiver that one is willing to go work in the middle of the field that's capable of it, but play that physical kind of mix it up in the middle of field versus guys. Tyler Boyd is that. Also, when they kick the ball to the perimeter in their pass game, watch him block. There's a throw that they take Jamar in motion, and they kick it out to Jamar almost like a bubble from the backfield. And Boyd has the task of beating the guy that's lined up with him, man-to-man, on his head at the point, and trying to win the block on the outside of that defender to allow Jamar to get outside. And watch the strain. I'm going to find it in my notes. Watch the strain that he plays with to go and make the block. I mean, he you watch him go and fight and fight and fight and strain, and then he wins on the outside, and it becomes a 12-yard gain to Jamar Chase. And just so impressed with his kind of willingness to be that. Another example of, hey, we got a guy. It's second quarter, 15. We got a guy that will go and do the dirty work on the inside. And then I would say this offensively. I think their outside zone run game has become very much so an identity part of their offense. Their outside zone run has become such clockwork and reliable. Their offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, comes from the tree of Alex Gibbs, who basically was, to my knowledge, one of the forefathers of that run game scheme. And that's why Joe Mixon has really picked it up is you're starting to see Okay, our, our offensive line is good at this. Our back is now getting good at this, which means press the hole get to the outside leg of the tackle or the inside leg of the tight end, find a seam, one foot in the ground, and go. And I think that's really been a transformative part of this offense over the past couple of weeks.
1: Dan, you got me fired up right now. They, they can't <laughs> see us, but I'm cheering as you go. Because they, they, everyone wants to talk about Joe Burrow and the passing game being outstanding. It has been outstanding. But part of the reason they've been able to do it, what they're you know complementing that with is the running game, and I you must be staring at my notes somehow here because I, I'm i talking about Frank Pollock and I had Alex Gibbs written down there. Nice. And to me, the other part, nice. but here's the other part of this you know, Brian Callahan, the offensive yes. coordinator, is the yeah. son of Bill Callahan. Oh, I who's,
4: forgot, you're right,
1: and and he. Running, running, running. And, you know, Bill Callahan's up in Cleveland right now. Everywhere Bill Callahan has been is either the offensive line coach or the offensive coordinator or the run game coordinator. It's been outstanding. His son Brian is doing one heck of a job. And you talk about the outside zone and the outside run. You know, this past weekend, Mixon, you know, had 20 of his rushes were outside the tackle and he rushed for 142 yards, 7.1-yard average. That's that outside zone or the zone that you're talking. Again, press the hole, press to the butt, find the seam, and and get going. And, you know, Mixon, what was he, like, had over 160 yards, I think, on the day, but 142 of those were rushes that ended up getting somehow – Outside the tackles, right? He pressed Mm. it and got outside the tackles. You know, interestingly enough, we talked about uh, on the podcast earlier in the year, Joe Mixon's name came up and we talked about him and how much of a heavy load he was carrying. And, you know, I wasn't sure whether or not he'd be able to carry the load for the full season as they were using him at the beginning of the season. And I'll tell you what, he's continued to do it. He's done a terrific job. The offensive line, Frank Pollock, the coach, the offensive line coach has done a great job, but I also give their overall team and leadership credit yeah. to the fact that, you know, you've got Joe Burrow, that doesn't mean you have to use him all the time. You've got <laughs> right? T. Higgins, you, you don't have to use him all the time. Use yeah. him when you need to, and when you have these other weapons, use them all to be a well-balanced and well-rounded team. And, you know, Dan, I love the fact that you mentioned Boyd and his blocking ability. There is a mentality, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that comes from from Brian Callahan in terms of how they want the identity yeah. of their offense to be and yep. it's not going to be just the five guys up front that are going to be doing the blocking we're going to run the ball and everyone is going to be blocking
3: mm. see's so a fellow as a fellow football nerd like that's why i love you guys right we are doing offensive line coach family trees on this <laughs> podcast right you're not getting this anywhere else uh, who else knows the offensive line coach family trees but but uh, you know also philosophically guys this has changed for them Right, Like Joe Mixon against the Jets ran the ball 13 times for like 30 something yards against the Browns in a 41 16 loss. Now, granted, they get behind. It's a high scoring game, probably takes them out of their game plan a bit. 13 times for 60 yards. I mean, they yeah. seem to have also made a concerted effort to make sure that he's part of what they do early and well, a heavier dose than maybe they were. I don't know. Scott, I mean, have you seen them
1: philosophically change since the bye week? I, I don't know if they've changed philosophically again because I haven't compared those things enough. Here's what I see happening philosophically across the league, though. Okay. The teams are punching teams in the mouth and winning games where it's important right now. Gospel are running the football. Right, you talked about A.J. Dillon, you know, on Tuesday, Dan, and his importance, what he has done for the outdoor Green Bay Packers in those elements. The New England Patriots—they're lining up, punching people in the mouth. Last week it was Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. The teams, again, I understand it's a passing league. I agree that it's a passing league, but you better be able to run the football and punch people in the mouth, and that's some of what we're seeing here, Bob.
4: Yeah. Uh, I- Okay, so to the Bengals, yes, I've seen a little bit of a philosophical change. Because if you had asked me three weeks ago, I think you did. What's the one thing that concerns you about the Bengals? My response would have been protecting Joe Burrow. I still don't believe it's good enough. Well, how can you deliberately intelligent as a coaching staff to try to never be in your weakest spot? Well, if our weakest is constantly trying to protect Joe Burrow, all right, let's let's figure out some run game that we're really good at. Like maybe we don't have to have seven runs that we're good at, but let's find one, two, three that we're really good at. Cause then that's gonna help us keep that guy upright. Now, I'll share something with you guys because this is something I've held in my pocket for a while now. Oh so This would be good. You know, I think that the NFL has become so different than it was two years ago. Really? And that blows my mind. Because wow. two years ago, I would have said This is the Wild West. It is chuck and duck. It is explosive plays. Mm -hmm. I don't care about completions and runs. It's being explosive and scoring a ton of points on offense. And there has been such this quick change defensively that we've talked about all year. We are not going to allow that to happen. We're not going to blitz as much as a defense. Teams don't blitz as much as they did two years ago. Teams don't play as much man coverage as they did two years ago. And... Scott, you know this tournament. Bob, I would imagine you do as well. And I've heard this – I heard it a lot when I was a younger player in the early 2000s in the NFL that the best offenses in the NFL, if you just watch their runs and completions every game, you can can see who are the best offenses. And two years ago, I would have thought, shut up. Like, guys, (laughs) that's not the NFL anymore. You know, it's about – it's not about that. It's about the explosiveness. I'm going to read you guys the top ten teams in the NFL right now that are – Again, every game, who gets the most run attempts plus completions? Because that's what the NFL is about right now. Best team in the NFL, Baltimore Ravens. Number two, Arizona Cardinals. Number three, Dallas Cowboys. Number four, Tennessee Titans. Number five, Kansas City Chiefs. Number six, Minnesota Vikings. Number seven, Buffalo Bills. Number eight, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number nine, New England Patriots. Number 10, the Washington football team. Guess what every one of those teams has in common? They're in the playoffs.
3: As of right now, you're
4: right. They're in the playoffs. As of right now, they're in the playoffs. Worst teams in the NFL, Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Chicago, the Jets. Uh, You know? So it's just crazy. (laughs) It's crazy to me how that has become this cyclical thing of, and to your point, Scott, the ability to punch people in the mouth and run to rock, right? You you got to be able to have a quarterback in an offense that is willing to drive the field and be efficient with the football and get your completions because the way teams are playing and they're too high shells, and then you got to be able to turn around and hand off the ball and be, again, methodical offensively.
3: Well, did you just not describe the New England Patriots? Because we're going to take a quick break and come back, and we're going to talk about the Patriots because they – have just almost kind of like by osmosis this year, have just turned into a Super Bowl contender. And it's one stab in the heart to me week after week after another. (laughs) That's the case. But we're going to talk about the Patriots and where they are as they head down the stretch when we come back on Tape Pets. You go into your
0: shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat.
3: Patriots over the Titans, Bob Bashuzan, Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. It's becoming a broken record. Patriots just keep on finding ways to win games, and they keep on showing up more and more higher and higher. In the AFC playoff picture, here's what Mac Jones had to say after the win over Tennessee.
0: Um, I think first things is offensive line playing really well and we feel confident in doing that and um... I don't think I got hit today, but maybe one time and that was a talented defensive front. So props to them just to allow us to open it up a little bit, but there's more opportunities to be made. And um, like I said, it starts with the front and the guys getting open. They've done a good job of that all year and it's just getting the ball in stride and throwing it to the right guy. And we just got to continue to improve on that.
3: I'm not sure if we went back week one, week two, week three, and just pulled out Mac Jones sound bites from back then, but If he talks about his offensive line playing well, talks about being really efficient on offense. Dan, you just talked about the fact that they are on that list of teams, completions plus rush attempts in the playoffs. You could probably say the same thing back in September, as you're saying right now, as to why the Patriots are the Patriots and why they're winning games. Maybe just now the whole NFL is starting to slowly but surely the evolution of the season take notice that New England, again, has found a way to be really, really good.
4: Yeah, for clarity reasons, Bob, I said it in August.
3: Um... (laughs) <laughs> right. I think that well, sometimes when a guy runs a 6-1, it takes a little while for the rest of us to catch up to how fast you are. Uh
4: I think this about the New England Patriots. I I think that they're the best coach team in football. I think they're the smartest team in football. Um if that sounds like something that was said for over the last 20 years, it should not surprise anybody. Coming out of that game, the two things I love the most offensively were uh, one, when we talk about play-action pass, there's a you know a very large catalog of play-action pass options you can go to as an offense. I think my most favorite, and I think this is why New England is the smartest play-action pass team in the NFL right now, is what they are doing is cutting the field in half when they do it. What I mean by that is literally draw a, a line down the middle of the field, end zone to end zone. And what they're doing is taking half of the field and flooding that half of the field with different levels, one guy deep, one guy intermediate, one guy shallow, and they're using that in their play-action game. If you're going, how do you get a young quarterback to play fast and see things but also get some chunks in your offense, that's how you do it. Greg Knapp, God rest his soul, used to say this to me when I was a younger player that Steve Young would talk to him about, cut the fat off stuff. Cut the fat off these plays because when you do that for a quarterback, you're simplifying things for him so much that he plays so fast and he sees so fast and that breeds confidence in the things that he's looking at. That allows him to use his eyes as weapons. And I think in their play-action game, I loved that, that they did this past weekend. Some stuff to Jacoby Myers and Johnu Smith in their play-action game. And then the second thing I would say is, their screen game is as good as anybody's in the NFL right now. If that sounds like something that we've said for the past 20 years, it's because it is. And if you told me or asked me, what's the biggest issue for the Patriots offensively, I'd say, well, they don't have a guy on the outside that's going to go wear people out. You know, teams can play man coverage. Well, when you have a very good screen game, you get very scared to play man coverage. And I think those are the two things right now that I love about New England's offense.
1: Dan, you talk about, again, you must be looking at my notes here. I put, patriots play action and screen (laughs) it's something that you know it's a lineage thing to me and it's part of the detail having spent those 17 years or 18 years with bill um and and the other bill josh mcdaniel's the offensive coordinator calls plays calls play action calls screens at the perfect time he learned under charlie weiss Charlie Weiss learned under Bill Parcells and Dan Henning and Ron Earhart. This group of people, I've been talking about it all year, about short and sideways. You have this young quarterback. Again, if you have an offensive line that is average or above average, you can get them to play better by play action. You can get them to play better by screen passes, by chipping, by doing a lot of different things. And it comes down to detail and play calling. And Josh McDaniels has been calling terrific games all year. He has seen and was a part of watching the evolution of Brady. You go back to when Brady was young in his career. I was there for those seasons and watched how many screen passes. I watched how detailed we were in practice every single day coaching the play-action passing game and how it helped not only the passing game and the pass protection, but our running game because everything looked the same. You know, different yes. but similar to being with the Falcons and Kyle Shanahan the year that we went to the Super Bowl. Everyone talks about the the great year that Matt Ryan had throwing the ball, which he did, and the season that Julio had and Mohamed Sanu and Tevin yeah. Coleman and Devontae Freeman were such a key part of the running attack that allowed us to do all these other things. And it's Right now, the Patriots have established an identity. Again, we've talked again about running and punching people in the mouth. They not only have this leadership that starts with David Andrews up front and Ted Karras up front by punching people in the mouth. They've got a rookie running back, Ramondre Stevenson. That's how he looks for contacts. He looks for people to hit. So, to me, there's this entire identity that is helping Mac Jones and helping them have this identity as a football team, as an offense, because we see them on the other side of the ball, the Patriots, and we know how physical they are.
3: Are they the best defense in the NFL? New England? Yeah. Just a quick thought before we say goodbye. Are they, you know, because I really can't sit here and like, you know, continually talk about the Patriots being good or I'm going to go do something, you know, harmful to someone?
4: (laughs) Bob, yes, because they're the smartest. Yep. They're the smartest. Do I think you can run it on them in some in jumbo packages? Yeah, I think you can, and I'm excited to watch them play against Indy. They're the smartest. Now, two plays in this game. One, they show all-out pressure to Tannehill. He checks at the line of scrimmage. They know the ball is going to come out. Van Noy's on the line of scrimmage. He sits there and waits for the ball to get snapped. It does. He doesn't move. Tannehill, catch and throw. He bats it down. Or the attempted screen on second 10 when Tyler Lawan is looking through his legs at the tailback behind him, and the back is a yard deeper than the quarterback. And... Um, Hightower starts pointing. Here comes screen. They're the smartest defense in football. So, yeah, I think that is going to allow them to play the best.
3: Well, they're playing the Bills this week on Monday Night Football, and that is going to be a game we are certainly going to talk about next week on tapeheads. A couple of other games that stand out, the Chargers and Bengals right are the Bengals going to be able to keep it rolling and Justin Herbert he has struggled of late through a couple of bad interceptions this past week so that's a big game in the AFC and the Steelers and Ravens now the Steelers trying to hold on to any hope and Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens trying to get yet another division win so those are big games that we have to talk about when our next episode drops please review rate Subscribe, and we will talk to you on Tuesday when our next episode drops. Thanks for being a tape head. You go into your shower feeling tired,
0: but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want,